Adelaide United family, here we are. The Pitch Podcast, episode 15. Cannot believe this. This is unreal. Uh, over the weekend, it was the original rivalry. Uh, disappointing result going 1-0 down to Melbourne victory. We'll talk about that in a second with our guest. Uh, another big match at Coopers this weekend, though, as we prepare to take on MacArthur in what, what I would say is a must-win game for Adelaide United. We were third at the start of the original rivalry, and now we need to keep winning to stay in the six. So let's chat about that with a, a man who uh, wears the captain's armband. He's also our Socceroo representative, alongside Joe Gauchy as well. Um, Craig Goodwin, our skipper, welcome to the Pitch Podcast. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here, mate. Let's uh, let's talk about the match on the weekend. It was uh, as a supporter, it was frustrating to watch, I guess, because of um, a couple of things that were out of our control. So I'm going to list them off. We missed three players due to COVID. We had uh, a few injuries prior to the match. And then Mo Toure goes down in the first half where I, I watched that happen with that challenge. And for me, and I don't expect you to specifically comment, I think it was a really poor challenge from Jason Davidson where um, Mo obviously was being held and that action caused him to have his shoulder dislocated, which is really sad for a young player. We saw the pain that he was in, but that obviously threw more spanners in the works in a match where we needed to win and victory were at pretty much full strength. What, what do you take away from the game? Yeah, I think you have to look at it in two ways. Obviously, the result was disappointing and the timing um, of the result was an important match. And... Me personally, and I know that every Adelaide United fan would be the same, as I hate losing to Melbourne Victory. They're my most hated team in the competition, so to lose to them um, hurts. But, yeah, it was it was disappointing, and it's been a very disruptive week with the amount of players we have out injured. We've got four centre-backs out, which is uh, obviously a really important position. We've got people shuffling around. Um, and having said that, I thought <clears throat> with the people that came in, we did actually play really well. Um, you know, coming up against a full-strength Melbourne Victory team who are having a decent season themselves. Um, I think we made a good account of ourselves, but at the end of the day, it's the result that matters and we didn't get it. I'm glad that you said that as well because it, it is really easy and I know that I introduced the podcast by talking about it was a disappointing result, but you have a look at the calibre of... A Melbourne Victory side who are really organised under Tony Popovich, but you have um, international players such as Marco Rojas, who scored twice, one was taken away, which is I'm absolutely fine with. But then um, Valupale coming off the bench, and then Ben Falami, who was just from a Socceroos camp. Jason Guerrier, who was outstanding. I think he was their best player. You have a look at the calibre of talent they had, and we had coming off our bench, we had uh, Asad Kasumovic making his debut, Nesta coming off the bench. Like we, we had a really young and inexperienced side that I felt held our own against a full-strength team. Yeah, we absolutely did. Um, and if you f- like, you know, it's easy to say if you look at the stats, but if you look at the stats, they had one shot on target besides the one that was called offside. They had one shot on target all game. Um, I think that probably says uh, a lot about the way that we played and how much we dominated the game. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to be able to to put away our chances. And yes, that comes down to, I guess, maybe a little bit of inexperience and and having to change a lot of players um, and young ones playing in that final uh, final third. Um, but that's a learning curve for for some of the young players and and obviously for for us as a team as well. 
all teams have injuries and all teams have been affected by COVID, which I'll, I'll get to the COVID side of it in a second. But it seems that our injuries are in key positions on the park. You talk about the the centre-backs and where we're at right now. Mo obviously gets an opportunity to start. He's been coming off the bench the past couple of games. We know the impact that he has. Cassini hasn't played for most of the season. So it, it kind of feels like that the, the unfortunate injuries we have right now are for, for real game-changing style of players. Yeah, it has been absolutely challenging. Um, but also that shows um, and gives opportunities to other players to uh, stake their claim and to you know, really show that they're at the the level and for them to push on. Um, we've had, I think, we have been unfortunate with the injuries we have, especially at centre-back, um, you know, with, with four players being out um, at the same time is is very rare and they've all been, you know, different injuries. So it's it's not a, a reoccurring thing. Obviously, Cassini's been out for a while. So I think we've, we've adapted really well to everything that's come this season, whether it be COVID, whether it be players injured. And I think you can see that the style of play we've played is we're always trying to play. We're always trying to be positive. Um, at times, um, perhaps we're not at our best in terms of finishing off chances or we're a, a little bit wasteful. Um, but for, for the overall, I think we are playing pretty well and we've had a reasonably good season and dealt with everything that's come our way. Do you have a look around the change room and go, okay, so you three have got COVID, someone else has had COVID, and you almost start ticking off the squad thinking, all right, as soon as we get this out of the way, then we're all good because that's how it feels in the league at the moment that, you know, the Newcastle Jets boys a while ago, they all had COVID, but now for the next 90 days, yeah, happy days, they're laughing. So is that the kind of feeling where you're going, all right, well, look, as long as it doesn't affect our health too much, it's a matter of survival of the fittest, then we can get back to football. Yeah, almost. Um, and I think from from that side, we are unlucky as well because earlier on in the season, you know, teams that had five, six players out were allowed to postpone games and we're not allowed to postpone games anymore. So because we've done really well in not contracting it early on and it's, and it's those few players starting to get it, we've had, obviously now I think there's about five or six people that have got it. Um, we've been unlucky from that side that we can't postpone games yet teams earlier in the mm. season were able to do so. That, yeah, that does come across quite challenging as well. And I remember that was, that was the moment where the leagues come out and said, look, we just need to get these games done, which is going to be really challenging. Yeah. And it becomes even more challenging this weekend where we, we take on a MacArthur side who just came out of nowhere and defeated the glory. Perth looked absolutely amazing on the weekend. And MacArthur said, hold on. No, no, no. We're going to win this game. Um, and our position right now, I said at the start, we were sitting in third position and now we are a couple of games ahead of the teams below us. We've played more games than them. This couldn't be a more important game in front of our home fans against a good opposition to set up the back end of the season. Absolutely. Um, and we have, we do have majority of the remaining games at home. We've only got one more away game, which I think does give us um, a positive outlook on the games to come. Um, but you're right, the MacArthur game is a massive game for us in the context of the season. And f- for me personally, it's it's a big game because I want revenge for the match that we had on them earlier in the season. Um, obviously, we we lost 4-1. And besides the, part of the first half an hour, it was probably our worst performance of the season. So that sticks in the memory. And I, I will be um, obviously stressing to the boys um, that this game is extremely important. And it's important that we show a good account of ourselves to... Obviously, have a, a good push um, coming to into finals. I wanted you to say a couple of words about Ross, if you could. I've I've loved watching, I guess the 
the evolution of Ross Aloisi because obviously he's been involved in the club for a long time. He went away. Um, you know, he came back representing other clubs when there was a fair bit of turmoil and probably bad blood between the, the Brisbane and Adelaide rivalry that there was. But what I've noticed about Ross Aloisi as he farewells the club and heads over to Japan is that I feel that he's almost reinvented the person and the leader that he is. And there's a lot of things that we've seen on the pitch as a coach that he's done but also off the pitch for providing support for a lot of people behind the scenes that he's not going to be spoken about and he doesn't want to be spoken about. But as he farewells the club, have you noticed that evolution of him as well as he says goodbye? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for me, I've worked with Ross for the last I'd be year, year and a half, so one and a half seasons. And since since I've come in, um, for me, and I said about I said this on social media as well that for me Ross is someone that embodies everything it is to to be a player for Adelaide United and to be um, a member of this football club. The passion that he shows um, every single training session, every single match day, and the work that he puts in to provide us players with the best possible platform to perform at our best um, is second to none. You know, he's uh, an absolute, I think, a, a legend of this club and uh, an amazing human being. I'm going to get to another topic very soon, which is all about life perspective. We get really deep and meaningful in these podcasts, Goody, and I know you're all about that. But wanted to talk, first of all, about your football journey. Because when I first met you, we had a really good conversation at Tarek Elrich's house when all the players were there, and we were learning about um, you know, your time at Newcastle, your time at Melbourne. We first did the old school version of the pitch, right? And you just rocked up at the club and you were talking about when you were working at KFC, when you were <laughs> playing for Melbourne Heart. Um, and now you are the captain of the Adelaide United Football Club. You've spent time overseas in both Europe um, and over in the UAE. Do you look back now and reflect on your journey or is this is something that you'll do at the end of your career? Um. Yeah, I think it, it probably will be something I do more at the end of my career. Um, I try to focus on on what's in front and and where I am presently. Um, but you know, it it always is nice to to think and and uh, remember um, the path that I've taken to get to where I am. You know, it, it's come from from a point where you know I, I couldn't make Adelaide United youth team um, two years in a row when I was about sixteen, seventeen, eighteen uh, around that age. Um, I moved over to Melbourne um, and played locally. Um, Arthur Pappas, coach of Newcastle, got me over to Oakley Cannons. You know, I, I was uh, living um, with two older Greek guys um, in Melbourne that were affiliated with a club. And, um, yeah, that was the situation there was quite difficult for probably reasons I, I won't say on, uh, on, uh, on air. And then as well, uh, picking up a job at KFC to, to pay, um, to pay um, the rent and pay for the car and everything. I was borrowing money off my parents, um, for which I, I paid back once I signed my first pro contract. You know, that's, it is like, it's nice to, to think where I come from. And I know that the path that I took is, is probably very different to, to what a lot of people have taken, but it makes me appreciate everything a lot more. And you're a soccerer. You haven't just played one game for the Socceroos. You've played almost 10. You've scored for the Socceroos. What's the pride that you feel when you, first of all, you arrive in camp and you have a look around at you, some of the players that you've probably, you know, idolised or have respect for, um, now you're part of that group. Does it take a bit of time for you to realise what you're doing and think, okay, I actually belong here and I'm, I'm, I've earned my spot? You could see the emotion when you scored a few months ago. For me, it felt like a... Here I am. I deserve to be here and have this moment. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, 
you know, I made my first uh, appearance for the Socceroos when I was 21 um, at the East Asia Cup tournament and being involved in a lot of camps uh, over the years and, and being in, in those camps with, you know, I guess the, the big players like Tim Cahill and, and uh, you know, Mark Milligan and, and even Lucas Neal in, in the early stages um, of when I was in, it it is quite... Um, uh, quite an honour to be in there sharing the dressing room, but you're quite in awe of them players as well because you're like, oh wow, I'm, I'm here, and perhaps, perhaps it's easy to to get lost in in the moment in those times. Um, and as you get get older, and as you you try to to learn more off of them, you you focus on exactly what you're doing there. You know, when you're there, you're you're trying to soak up as much as you can and learn and, and do the best you can. But as you get older, you start to think uh, think and look at things more practically and uh, and notice that you have to work hard when you're in there. You have to really focus on everything you're doing. And you can see when you go into camp, the standard um, is, is much higher, um, much higher um, than... than what it is or what I would say it, it is at, at your league level because you're only there for a few days and it's everything has to be perfect the the intensity is very high and the um, the effort that everyone puts in everyone's fighting for this spot I wanted to get some insight from your perspective on leading up to that Japan match because uh, like leading up to it I, I was lucky enough to go over there and be part of the um, the fan engagement and be on the microphone. I was really excited to obviously um, say your name on the microphone. I've got this real <laughs> like special thing that goes on where I like I love saying Mabil's name. I love saying Jimmy Jago. Like it's just because yep. there's that connection to Adelaide, and I know that like. Once when my voice broke, and not at the grand final another time, uh, a whammer bill came off the pitch. He's like, I heard that and I laugh. I'm like, great, you can hear what I'm saying, so I'm going to really pump it up so you have your moment. But it was obviously something outside of your control that you had to not leave your house um, because of a, a COVID situation. So if you're comfortable, can you talk through the process of, first of all, finding out that you can't leave the house because you have... I'm assuming you'd have disappointment, a bit of sadness, and then you go, well, I can't do anything about it. But this is a reflection of so many Australians and people around the world of what we're dealing with right now. For you, it was not being able to represent your country. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, it, you know, it kind, of, it kind of puts things into perspective when you know that everyone or most people around the country or around the world have been in a similar boat with, with different things. And so for me, it was obviously Caitlin um, got covid um, thankfully Ezra didn't get it and I didn't get it either but I guess that the first realization was okay are, are they okay um, is is their health all good but then obviously there's that realization that you know this is the two biggest games in in qualifying and now I can't be there so it is it was very disappointing from that side but once obviously once you you think about it logically it's you know when I when I think okay the reason I'm not there is because I need to I need to quarantine, but I need to look after uh, my partner and my baby boy, then it makes it, obviously it's not a decision, but it makes it much easier. What are you like then sitting on the couch watching that Japan match? Are you a good observer or does Caitlin need to leave the room with Ezra because you're very difficult to be around when watching the football that you should be playing in? Um, no, Caitlin didn't leave the room. Um, I think I'm <clears throat> I'm quite in check with my my emotions on that side. I'm able to control myself. It, obviously, it's it's um, it's frustrating watching because you can't be a part of it. So there is that I guess that little bit of frustration and and disappointment um, and w- 
you're so animated watching games because you want to be able to to help the team and you're just hoping that the boys do the best they can. So it's it's obviously disappointing to not be there, um, but, you know, we're still a chance to, to qualify for the World Cup and the last time we qualified for the World Cup, we did it through the playoffs, so there's no reason why we can't do it again. It's hard as a supporter watching it because you're you're such a good wet weather player as well. Like you have so much control in the wet, and it was just absolutely pissing down with rain at this game. Like my script and my team sheet turned into paper mache. Like it was, <laughs> it was crazy. And then Tommy Rogic doesn't play any scores for Celtic over the weekend, and I'm like, oh, I wish we had Tommy. And then all of the aftermath with Jamie McLaren and Arnie. Um, the, the one question I wanted to ask you was how much would the players be hurting or do you not have time to actually reflect because you needed to play that second game? And yes, there is still an opportunity for us to qualify. But looking at some of the players, you could see the disappointment on Matty Ryan's face. You could see the players slumped to the ground because we had opportunities to get a point out of Japan and they were, they were class. They were. They were the better side, obviously. But um, you could see the hurt on the players' faces. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think for for most of the players now, we'll have been through um, a lot of things during our, our careers um, and we know that football is a, a never-changing um, scenario. So we just have to look forward um, and focus on the next game. And it's so, it's so cliche, but it's also so true because what can you do? You have to reflect um, on the game and see where you went wrong and, and how we can improve. But from thinking about, you know, the previous games and, and moping about it. Oh, we should have picked point, points up against China, or we shouldn't have we shouldn't have drawn against Oman. You, you can look at those games. Oh, if we had won that, then mm. then we would have qualified directly. That's not the scenario, and we have to look and learn from the games that we have played um, and where we can do better. And all you can do now is focus on these next two games that are coming, and or the next one game against UAE to start, and then hopefully against Peru, um, and just give uh, give everything we have for for the badge and for the country. What is one player in the national team that you hadn't really met before, you'd played against, and you may have thought, geez, they're a jerk, but you realised they are a legend? So you can answer this in a nice way. I'm just saying, who did you connect with the most in the national team that you probably didn't know too much about and who's been an opponent on the pitch? Um, yeah, I don't know. They're probably, I don't reckon I've ever really thought anyone in the national team was a jerk or anything. So I've not really – there's not too many players that I've played against that I've thought were a jerk, so I can't actually name uh, – We'll go anyone. through the other list later on of the biggest jerks that you think. <laughs> One of the things that came out of this match, um, and I don't want you to specifically comment on Jamie McLaren because I've got a really – I've got a different view to a lot of the, the mainstream – commentary about um jamie getting married and and missing the match um i really respect him for making that choice because he wanted to decide obviously nobody is assuming that they've been in his position before but obviously he had to cancel his wedding a few times and ultimately people's perspective and people's priorities are different and we can't expect everybody to have the same ones obviously it's a very important job at a very important time the reason why i'm talking all this dribble is i'm saying the word perspective you're a father now. How much has being a father changed your perspective on life and football? Um, yeah, I think it obviously changes everything. Your first and foremost thought is what's best for, for your, your child and obviously what's best for your family. Um, you know, and I've made um, decisions, you know, obviously originally when, when I was to come back on loan um, when I left Saudi the first time. So I was at, I was at Al-Wahda and... Um, 
they wanted to send me out on loan um, because a new coach came in and decided that he didn't want me. Um, and the director said, no, I, w- I want to keep him. Um, so eventually they said, we'll send you out on loan and we'll bring you back. Um, I went on loan to another team in Abha. And personally, I, I was playing pretty well. I was playing good. I was playing every match and we, and we, were, we were fifth on the ladder um, before I made the decision to to actually come, come back. And that decision to come back was for family reasons because Caitlin was pregnant. Um, and then to be able to stay stay here again on, on loan again was the decision that I wanted to make. So, you know, it does change your perspective. Um, obviously, like you said, on the McLaren uh, McLaren thing, it's that's his decision. And what I would say is that nobody knows what, what his personal situation is and nobody knows what they've gone through. Um, and that's not something that they need to, to tell people. And if that's the, the decision that they've made, you know, um, and obviously speaking to, to him personally, I know that they've been through a lot in the last three years um, since COVID has came and they've had to cancel um, their wedding on three occasions and they've had family members that have passed away in the meantime. So if they want to take the choice to to bring their whole families together, um, they haven't been able to see anyone in a few years and people they've lost, then then that's their choice. Yes, you can say that has has he done it in at the best time, that's up for them to decide. You know, he's someone that missed the grand final last year mm. because he was on national team duty. He missed his only grand final that he's played in as a player to be with the national team. To question his, his commitment, I think, is is something that you just can't do. I love that you said that, mate. Well done. He also, um, Jamie, I've spoken to him since that as well, and he said that you and Ryan Kiddo are really getting into your red wine. Is that a thing? You are both turning into real life. Obviously not <laughs> in season, but uh, you are starting to turn into some wine connoisseurs. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a wine connoisseur, but I definitely do enjoy a red wine. And uh, me and Jamie send each other a bottle um, every time we think it's a very good one. So we're exchanging, exchanging photos of bottles and on the Vivino app. That's disappointing because well. I've sent him a couple of bottles before, and I've you you both obviously uh, have heaps of cash, so you're probably sending really expensive <laughs> bottles in. Um, the other person I spoke to uh, about you was Reese Williams. I had a really good chat to him, and he um he was he was speaking so highly of yourself and Caitlin. But uh, I guess leading into that, he's obviously played at the same club or played overseas as well. the The idea of being a foreign player overseas is not something that we're comfortable with here in Australia because, um, as you said, you get a new manager they normally bring their foreigners with them. So can you talk us through that mindset? Because I'm sure it's unsettling. No matter how well you're playing, a new manager will always have the players that they want to bring in. And obviously you have a capped amount of foreigners that can play in the side. Yeah, that's true. Um, and it, it comes back to in football, it's an ever-changing scenario. So um, I've experienced it many times in, in my career. Um, and it's the probably been... Um, it happened to me in Holland um, as well. Um, in my second year, I was involved with pretty much all of all of the the Socceroos camps over that qualifying campaign. I didn't play any games, but I was always there in the squad. I was playing with Spider Rotterdam and, and doing well. And and they decided halfway through the year that they wanted to change their coach and, and bring in um, Dick Advocat. And he decided that he didn't want me in the squad anymore. And it was a similar situation to to Saudi. And Spider wanted to keep me. Um, so I got caught in the middle of uh, the coach not playing me, but the club not wanting me to go anywhere. So I got caught, and that's eventually when I came back to Adelaide for the second time. Um, so I've experienced it there, um, and then again in Saudi. In my first year in Saudi, I had uh, 10 assists and 5 goals and was voted in uh, Team of the Season uh, in the Saudi uh, from the Saudi media. And we made the Asian Champions League spot for the first time in the club's history, and 
we changed coaches three times during that year. And then they brought in another coach um, for the start of that season. And he decided uh, that he wanted his own uh, Portuguese uh, winger and Portuguese centre-back. So me and, and the other... Uh, other centre back that um, was in the team, who also was a very very good player, um, were were cut from cut from the team. But the club didn't want to get rid of us, so they wanted to send us out on loan. So it's something that happens regularly, and I'm sure, I, like I'm absolutely sure, I'm not the only player that it's happened to, and it's something that happens to to many people. Um, but it's also a part of football when you have to to be very strong in your mindset to to know um, to know that you're good enough and to to show the right reaction as well. I'm going to ask uh, a couple more Adelaide United questions before we go into the fan Q&A. Thank you for your honesty. So you had to pay back a loan from your folks after working at KFC. Um, Whenever we move into a better job, we always remember what we spent our first paycheck on. Do you remember your first football purchase to go, yep, either I've got a professional contract now or I've got enough money to move over to Saudi. This is what I'm going to get. Or were you quite smart with it? Um, yeah, for my honestly, for my first pro contract, I was literally most of my most of my first pro contract, I was paying back to my my parents. It was a large sum that I borrowed from them because the the youth wage um, at the time was six hundred dollars a month. Mm. Um, unfortunately, the club wouldn't pay uh, the bond for me and two other players, <laughs> so. Um, we had to, I had to borrow money from my parents for that. Um, I earned not much from KFC, obviously, cause I was training a lot. Uh, rent was $460. So, um, that plus car plus phone plus, uh, insurance plus mm. food, I was losing money very, very quickly. So obviously I was very thankful to my parents for keeping me afloat. Uh, my first contract was literally pretty much paying them back. And, and then once I paid them back. I think the first real purchase I did was buy a new Xbox. <laughs> yeah, very good, very good. Um, what's it like putting the captain's armband on? Do you feel a difference? Do you feel that you needed to evolve in the way that you communicate to the team, or is it something as simple as I'm wearing the captain's armband, but we all are leaders? Yeah, look for me. Obviously, um, wearing the armband gives me a great sense of pride. Um, being the club that I support um, growing up. And um, I've always said that some of my best years um, of playing football and, and my favourite memories are, are playing for Adelaide United and playing at Cooper Stadium. So it does mean a lot to wear the armband and it's something I, I take um, with great honour. Um, but having said that, I don't try and change, I haven't tried to change anything in the way that I, I am or the way that I approach um I've always tried to to help the team as much as I possibly can, whether it be on the field or off the field. And I know that being one of the older players now, it's it's my duty as an older player to pass my knowledge on to the younger ones and to help them and to help the team in, in whatever way I can. So um, I don't try and change anything that I do. Um, I know that we have um, good leaders here um, with Issa, Kido, Jakobsen, Juande, Harvey, we've got good experienced players and a good older group. And we do have a very good playing group as well that's very level-headed. So for the most part, thanks to the team for for being uh, easy to, I guess, keep in check. But it's a great team to be a part of and and it's an honour to to walk out um, and lead the team. What's your situation when it comes to contract as well? So you're on loan until when? I'm on loan until the end of this season. And then what? Um, Do your club in Saudi go, hey, we're going to loan you again or... 
um, you're out of contract or they re-sign you. I don't understand any of that stuff. Yeah, so it, obviously via the contract, I would have to go back at the end of this season. Literally fly back and go, g'day guys, I'm here <laughs> and let's renegotiate or... Well, they'd have to sort out my visa, but I'm sure that there'll be communications um, before the end of season. There's nothing that's that's happened as yet. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm purely focused on what's happening with Adelaide. Um, I do have the contract there, so if I have to go back, um, I may have to. Would I like to stay here? Um, that's something I'm thinking about. You know, it's, it's obviously an ever-changing scenario and, and the club's in, in the second division there at the moment. If they get promoted, um, then potentially they may want me back or they may decide that, you know what, you've been on loan for a couple of years and we want a, a different player. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a difficult scenario. I do love playing for Adelaide United. I love uh, being here and and it's it's my home. It's a great club to be a part of. Um, so, you know, for now I take every every match um, as if it's my last and, and with pride and I hope that there will be more to come. You copped a real shiner up here. I keep looking at that. And anyone <laughs> who says football is a soft, was that an elbow or a head or what? Uh, that was an elbow from Michael Jakobsen. Oh, friendly fire. It was and, friendly fire. Oh, because you had to have that really tight bandage around your yeah. head. Did it hurt? Oh, it absolutely hurt. I knew straight away as well because as soon as he hit me, I felt blood go over my eye and I just put my hand over my head and, um, yeah, just called. I tried waving for someone to come on. So, yeah, it was there was a big gash. I don't, you might have seen the photo. You might not yeah. have, but there's a, a nice gash and it was um, yeah, six disgusting. stitches. But thankfully the, the doc did a decent job. Ouch, I'd cry. I'd probably retire on the pitch. <laughs> All right, let's do some fan questions. Uh, we are joined by the captain of your Adelaide United, Craig Goodwin. How do we follow you on social media? What's your social accounts? Uh, Craig Goodwin 16 is my Instagram. That's pretty much the only one I have. Am I the only person who says, that's a Craig when we win? You're definitely the only person that says yeah, that. We get, I get good the win. Good, I get the good win a lot, but... I understand what you mean. I just write Craig. Yeah. That's it. All right. Catherine Xhaka on Twitter. If you could choose any past player to come back and play for Adelaide United this season, who would it be and why? Um, yeah, look, off the top of my head, past player that I would like to have back this Romario? season. Romario? Um, no, it wouldn't be Romario, <laughs> um, although he's a, obviously a, a legend of the game. Absolutely. I no would, disrespect. I would take... Um, I would take Marcelo Karuska. Oh. I would take him because good looking, yeah, and a very very creative player. Yeah. And I think that's something that we have missed a bit. Obviously, with Steph going and Benny going as well, I think he's someone that if we had, we would um, certainly have a lot more a lot more clear cut chances and goals than we have had. I love Cello, Jack the GK zero one. I'm assuming it's Jack, the goalkeeper zero one underscore on Instagram. What's your match day routine? Stop cheating and looking at the questions before I read them. <laughs> uh, match day routine. Um, I like to go out for breakfast um, with uh, Caitlin and Ezra. Um, I generally have eggs as my breakfast on, on a game day. With bread? Um, yeah, with bread. I like to have a big breakfast and then a smaller lunch. Um, and then I'll take uh, – now we take uh, our dog Lenny for a walk, our boxer. Um, take him for a walk, game day walk, and then um, – arrive to the ground probably two hours before and then just go through the the normal of light massage getting changed getting everything ready getting on the balls a little bit playing one touch in the in the change room before going out where are you going for breakfast normally um we change cafes um we live out west so sometimes we go to mr pilgrim in semaphore yeah, good. sometimes good. to all cafe or is really good too yeah 
Yeah. Okay, you're in my local. That's great. Um, <laughs> Jess underscore 92, have you ever thought about doing a backflip goal celebration? Absolutely not. I'd probably break my neck. I don't understand <laughs> how Nesta can do that and just go, hey, guys, just give me a little bit of space. I'm going to do heaps of flips. Like, Surely you have to practice that and go through injury like to get perfect. I think so. I think so. I don't. Like, I wouldn't know, to be honest. I tried backflipping on a trampoline when I was younger and mm. I could do that. But sometimes I'd bounce off the trampoline as well. So. Yeah, okay. So there's no trampolines on Cooper Stadium. At RobDogs87 on Twitter, what was the first South Australian product you grabbed when you came back from playing overseas? Um, I can't really I can't really say a South Australian product as such, but it's I would say just the produce in general. Yeah. Um, the Australian Australian food supply is, is very high quality, I think. And you really notice that when you go to different countries. Tim Howard, 1994 on Instagram. What's your favourite team in England? Now, the emojis in this question suggested he's a Derby County fan. Um, my favourite team is Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, my first coach, uh, Terry, was a Liverpool fan and my granddad was a Liverpool fan as well. So um, that's, some, that's a team that I just picked up on from from very early age. Michael Genovese on Instagram, do you think Stephen Hall has the potential to make it to the very top? I think Hall is a very, very good keeper. I think um, this season he has definitely improved massively um, and I think he's someone that has great potential. So it's, it's nice to see him getting some, some game time as well and every game he's, he's come in, he's, he's looked comfortable and done really well. I think he, has, he does have the potential um, to go a long way. Um, but it's also very early doors. We have a lot of players in our team that I think have the potential to reach a higher level than where we are, um, but it's up to them to to stay uh, level-headed and to keep working hard. Hawley and Assad's haircut, is that banter or they are doing it thinking that it's good? Um, yeah, you'll have to ask them. Yeah, I don't it. want to ask it's- them. Because, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I've got no hair, so I can't, but I'm just looking at Hawley going. Hawley did get – so for, for – Chris, uh, Christmas time, we do a KK and mm. everyone gets joke presents and Hawley did get a free coupon for a haircut. So yeah, it's – I just think that his haircut is offensive to people who can't grow it. Like, you get the <laughs> you get the privilege of growing your hair, so take care of it. So, anyway, sorry. Char Langley on Instagram. Um, oh, that's a great question, actually. Why do you have the grease stain on your jersey before games? That's okay. a great question. I like that. Okay, so it's um, it's Vicks. Um, so I put Vicks on my chest um, before the game, and obviously it goes seeps through. So you don't put it on shirt. the top of your shirt, okay? No, no. Like sometimes some people do. Uh, I would generally put a bit on the bottom, and it will go through. Um, so it's it's Vicks to help your airways and to breathe a bit more. That's awesome. Um, Dylan McGowan, our uh, former Golden Boot winner, <laughs> um, he used to punch himself in the head before going out to play. That's true, isn't it? Yeah, he did, didn't he? He had that um. Yeah, that thing where he went like this. Yeah, yeah, it's real weird. It was, some people have um, different things, but yeah. that sucks him up. Some people have Vicks. Well. Other people punch themselves in the head. Um, Jack Lewis three 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 on Instagram. Do you use your team of the week on Ultimate Team? You're a star, Goody. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah, look, um, I have purchased my my guy on on Ultimate Team. Um, and I've tried him out in a couple of games. He's actually pretty good. He's pretty quick. Yeah, good. Just like Much you. Much quicker than I am in real life. No, you're very sure. quick. Multiple no. people on Instagram. <laughs> Who was your favourite player growing up? Uh, favourite player was Fernando Torres, um, obviously with the Liverpool connection. Um, and, yeah, I do his celebration sometimes as well. You do. You did that in the FFA Cup. We love that. Um, Patrick Dempsey on Facebook, favourite athlete. Is that the same? Is that Torres? 
Um, yeah. Okay. Um, underscore Owen Sutter on Instagram. Do you like pancakes or waffles? Um, definitely pancakes. I prefer prefer pancakes. Okay. Nick underscore Hannaford on Instagram. Your most valued achievement in your career? Um, yeah, look, I, I probably have a few, obviously. Just tell uh, us one, mate. Um, <laughs> Sorry, we're just running out of time. <laughs> All right, um, I will say, uh, you know what, I'm going to say three. I was scoring for the Socceroos, uh, winning the league with Adelaide United and winning the FFA Cup. Okay. Uh, multiple people on Instagram. It's not the account multiple people. It's mean lots of people have asked this question. I love it. What's the best thing about being a dad? Um, being able to watch um, little Ezra grow every day. So, yeah, now he's starting to, to move around a lot more. He's starting to smile and giggle back and, and really build that relationship connection. I told you, didn't I, when we, we caught up after Ezra's born and, like, it's amazing because when you become a dad and you look at new parents – you sit back and you're like, yeah, you haven't been sleeping. And you say, how's life? And you go, yeah, it's great. But in your head, you go, oh, my gosh, what have we done? Can we take it back? Like, it's full on. And I said, it will get better again. But you're at the getting better stage, right? Yes and no. <laughs> have you had to change a Poonami? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah we've, had, we've had a lot of them. And he's teething at the moment. So yeah. let's, literally yesterday he did seven poos in the day. Just like his dad? Okay, um, <laughs> Now, uh, loza.g16 on Instagram. Favourite goal you've scored? Um, There's been a I lot, would, mate. I would probably I would probably say now that the soccer is goal, but also the, the FFA Cup final as well. The two in Your celebration, so you do a K, correct? Yeah. Did you have to practice that in the mirror to see if you were doing it the right way around before you took it out onto the pitch? No, but... Caitlin did want me to do something for her and she's like, do a K. And I was like, how would I do that? So I was like, I was there like. I love it. I think that right. I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Uh, Liam Knight wants to know the biggest baller at Adelaide United. Biggest baller. I think it's like, oh, who's United. got the best swag? Who's the biggest gangster? If it's that, then it's definitely Motore. Yeah, I love Motore. Um, CJ underscore Puplet on Instagram. What would you do if you were a four-foot goalkeeper? Probably change position. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Uh, <laughs> Conradandro, what does it mean when the coach whistles? It means he's trying to get someone's attention. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. We started so well with these questions. Multiple people on Instagram and Facebook. Why do you wear number 11? Um, yeah, I originally liked number 16. Um, when I was at Adelaide the first time I wore number 16 and then when I went overseas, I, I just tried to continue wearing uh, 16, but when I came back, it wasn't available. So I wore number 11. Um, and I guess position wise, it, it suits me probably a bit more, uh, being, uh, being a winger. Um, but yeah, now I've got good, uh, affiliation with it. Have you scored our most goals now? I think I'm tied with Bruce. Mm. I'm tied. So I need, I need uh, one or two more. I sat next to Bruce when you tied. I've never seen a man more nervous that his record was about to be broken. <laughs> so he was being interviewed. How do you feel about it, Bruce? He's like, bro, it's so good for Craig. And I'm watching him. He's going, oh, hello, darkness, my old friend. Because he didn't want to be broken. Um, okay, multiple people. Multiple people asking a lot of questions. What advice would you give to young players who want to go professionals? Um. Yeah, this could it would be a, a long answer, but I'll try and shorten it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's 
Yeah, so for, for young players that want to go professional, for me the, the biggest thing is the dedication that you put in um, to your craft. Um, and I would say the biggest thing for young players in Australia is when you get to the, the top level and you're wanting to, to compete um, against the best countries in the world, the technical level um, and the fundamentals is the biggest thing. So um, there's a lot of good players in, in Australia, but when it comes to a technical level, um, they're a lot lower on the scale compared to, to other countries in the world. So if you can really focus on developing your fundamental skills and, and your technical ability, it's going to hold you in good stead. Blake Sully on Instagram, top three stadiums to play in the A-League men's competition. Top three stadiums? Yeah. Um, Cooper Stadium, number one. Uh, Amy Park, number two. And... Uh, Probably Western Sydney's ground. I'd actually quite like the stadium. I would have said Cooper Stadium, Adelaide Oval and Marden. But that's all right. You just do what you <laughs> want to do. That's fine. Harry Scobie on Instagram. What's your dream five-a-side team? Uh, five-a-side team. Um, I'll go Adelaide United. Um, so when we do small-sided games, if I could pick a team, it would be for right now the team that we have. Who would I want? I'd want Eugene Galekovic in goals. Um, I would want Ryan Kiddo, me, Issa, and is that five? That's four, isn't it? That's four, yeah. Yeah. Who else would I want? Joe Coletti. Okay. Brock Pearson underscore, which favourite movie? Uh, favourite movie? Um, I'll go, it's movies and it's the Harry Potter series. Okay. Uh, a lot of people ask you if you're going to stay in Adelaide or go back to Saudi, but um, we've already spoken about that. Mate, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your honesty. Can you please sign the playing shirt behind you with the Kayla Sharple right there? Um, so we are going to give that away at the end of the season. Yeah, I'd love to hold that. I think one of the um, one of the things that you were talking about being a professional as well, which you're a very humble man, and that is your resilience. Because, as I said, like you've you've played at a, a lot of clubs leading up to coming to Adelaide for the very first time, but then you were our best player in our championship winning year. Um, you've gone overseas where. The amount of stories that we've been told on this podcast, going overseas sounds great in theory, but is quite challenging mentally and physically, um, and especially with a, a young family. So congratulations for being the captain of Adelaide United and how you have carried yourself. And good luck against MacArthur this weekend. Mate, we have to win, all right? We absolutely do. Thanks very much. Three points. There's one person I want to shout out. Come here, Tim. Come here. Tim's going to walk around. This is so Tim's got the national call up to go work uh, at another job. Just give the camera a wave. Tim's the person (laughs) that um, aggressively laughs in the background. Um, Can you beep on this? Beep, yes. Yeah. Sometimes puts in the questions and he's uh he's the person responsible for making all the pitch podcasts alongside gl so we are going to miss you mate but you're going off to bigger and better things kind of i mean this is great but um he gets to change uh, his shirt and uh work in football so thank you very much to tim thanks goody go the reds love you